I think what I enjoyed most about this conversation with Anmol um, was like the juxtaposition of the personas he seemed to have. Because on the one hand, he appears to be like the prototypical finance guy, for lack of a better phrase, right? Like he is a high-end trader. Um, you know, if you check out his website or just see him in general, he has really nice clothes. Um, seems to be very focused on money and returns. And, you know, he helps people make millions of dollars using his kind of specialized investing approach. And that's what he's good at. That's what he does. And he's not ashamed about it. But then on the other hand, there's like this deeply reflective kind of spiritual side focused on morality. Um, as you hear him speak about it, you realize that, you know, through a lot of work and searching, he realized he had a gift for understanding the psychology of trading and investing. And he decided to use that to create tools that help other people live better lives. And he'll openly admit that most of the work that it takes to be successful in trading and investing can be done by anyone. It's just hard and it's boring. It's not magical. It's not special. Um, there's a humility and a philosophical mindset that isn't just geared around money and expensive things. And maybe that's been one of my biggest learnings in doing this show, and it's kind of embarrassing because it's something I probably should have known since I was six, right? The whole don't judge a book by its cover thing. <clears throat> but people like like Anmal, we're multifaceted. It's possible to be a hard-driving finance professional who also understands the role of spirituality in your life and desires to serve people beyond yourself. Just because I have preconceived notions of people and want to put them in a box quickly doesn't mean that's the way the world actually works. But it's not just, at least I've found, it's not just like a concept that you can just adopt. For me, at least, I can only know that through conversations like these. Only in being curious and probing and questioning can we allow our minds to put aside our biases and actually understand someone for who they are. And, and I'm glad I did that with Anmal because it allowed me to better understand how he balances these seemingly different personas. What's actually most important to him, how he developed his moral compass and what it is about trading that makes him feel so alive really just a, a really really interesting conversation so big thanks to him for being on and kind of letting us peek through his perspective for a bit um so with that let's get to the conversation all right Amal, thank you so much for being here really pumped to talk to you today um excited to have the conversation um i usually like to jump right in so i will do that here and ask you what's the value that's most important to you my top value is actually integrity and morality. Uh, mm. I live my life by that. And that's one of the biggest chapters in my book is all about doing what you said you're going to do and doing what when you said you're going to do it. So that's kind of how I define integrity is getting it done when you said you're going to do it. Um, oftentimes, you know, people will say, hey, I'll do it later. I'll start next week. I'll start mm. next week. And then it just never happens. So live life for integrity, top value. And and, and take that a step further for me. Like why, why that? Well, obviously, there's some inherent intuitive sense of like why that's good but why does that rise to the top for you where if you said if i have to pick you know one or two those are the ones that really drive what's most important yeah so i actually went through like a whole value determination process with my coach that i work with <laughs> so we went through a different things and what's more important to you so he kept probing these questions okay so is this more important or is making money more important i was like mm -hmm. well being a person of integrity is more important to me inherently and then we kept doing that. It's okay. Now, is that more important or is that more important? We There was like a whole two hour discussion sure. where we were determining our values. And that was always the biggest thing for me. I'm like, because everything else is external mm -hmm. and I can live without, or I can get used to living without, whereas into being a person of lack of integrity, just, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. So I think that's one of the top things that I uh, kind of live my values mm -hmm. by. What's that feeling you get that I think a lot of people can relate to that feeling of I wouldn't be able to live with myself. But what is that? What does that mean? Say more about that. Like, is it you feel what embarrassed, ashamed? Um, what is the sensation that you think you get that feels like, nope, not that <laughs> I definitely can't have that feeling. I think uh, I think it's more pro future projection. You project back and you imagine yourself, okay, you're now 80 years old. You achieved all the financial success you wanted, but it was a lack of integrity. Like, how would you feel in that moment? So I can't pinpoint exactly what that feeling was. It was feeling of regret. I was feeling of, I, I could have done better. I could have done more from this life. Or I was called for more. I have a higher purpose. And what did I do? Be mm -hmm. lack of integrity. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's that feeling of like, you know, that I'm not made for that mm -hmm. is uh, inherent. So anytime I do something that might be a little bit off the cuff or a little bit something that I'm not used to doing. I, I tend to get that feeling, which I take it as a sign to pull me back to being integral um, mm. or integral. So I think that's the thing I look forward. Mm. Super interesting. 
is there something implicit in that? And maybe I ask this as much of myself as I do of you, but but I'll ask you the question first. Like, is there something implicit in that that speaks to like who we are at our core, rhetorically, right? Humans at our core that like we are not trustworthy, that it is very easy for us to not do what we say we want to do. So we have to prioritize that is so important because if we don't, like we'll be kind of is a gravitational pull away from it. Is that part of it? Or do you think that's taking it too far? No, I think spiritually and even quantum physics now has proven it, right? It's uh, the quantum entanglement, like how we're all still connected, uh, maybe d- different locality, uh, non-locality, but we're still connected within the fibers of the universe. And uh, it's called the Indira's web, uh, where all the luminous fibers are connected. And it's the whole flow of consciousness goes together. So if I'm being a person of with lack of integrity, or I'm saying I'm going to do this, but I don't follow through, that's putting it out in the field. So I feel like, uh, you know, People always ask me, how, you know, how are you impacting the world? You cannot not impact the world. You are impacting the world, whether you know it or not consciously. So I try to really look at it from a bigger spiritual lens of how am I impacting this world? How am I impacting the overall fibers of the universe? Because every action that I do or not do is going to impact something else. It's a whole chain of events in life that goes on um, that can break if you are a lack of integrity. Mm. Well, and, and even in that though, like it would, it would seem like that makes a lot of sense. That's very logical in so many ways. And as you said, like there's actually science behind some of it now too. So then why do we struggle with it? Like, why do, why do we see so many instances and, and no judgment on anybody? We all do it at times. Why does it seem like it's something that's very hard for us to do? It should seem obvious in many ways. Why do you think we struggle with it? I think uh, right now, especially in this world, we're seeing like a values crisis, you know, like er, er, there's a cl- clash happening right now. And you can see that online with the news as well, right? The clash of values going on. So people, when there's a clash of values, people are confused. And when people get confused, they're not likely to follow through because they don't, they're not aligned with their higher purpose or their higher values. They're more so thinking in terms of the short term, what's next uh, and thinking emotionally rather than thinking from your heart. I think we use our brains quite a lot, but we don't try to sit with ourselves, listen to our gut and uh, listen to our heart. And I think that that's where these things come from is the lack of follow through where people are just scrolling online, looking from one thing to another. They leave this app then they pick up the other one. When are we actually taking some time to sit with ourselves and mm. just say, hey, what's important to me? What's meaningful to me? I think those type of questions people aren't asking. And the ancient exercises that people used to do back in the day, writing journals, diaries, it's a lost art. People aren't doing that these days. So how are they going to connect with themselves? So I think mm-hmm. that's why we're seeing what we're seeing in this world today. So let me play that back to you and kind of generalize it or abstract it a bit and correct me if, if I'm saying it right. It's almost like to be, to have integrity, you need to know what you're striving towards. And then it's the activity, the effort of actually sticking to that, being consistent and staying true to that. And what you're saying is given the world we live in today, it's like people don't know what they're striving for. Right. They don't take the time to actually identify it. So in some ways, it's almost like they don't know they're not um, um, they don't have integrity. They, they don't like it feels like what they're doing feels like, yeah, this is right and true for me. And maybe it is on that superficial level, but it's only because they haven't thought about it deeper. If they did, then they'd recognize that break there. They'd recognize that gap. Is that kind of a fair way to put it? Yeah. And I think also socially uh, in the society as a whole, what you notice is when people drift away from spirituality, when they drift away from concepts like God, right? And then they start dwelling into maybe we're just animals, maybe we're just not meant to, you know, that diminish diminishes the integrity as a whole for the whole mm. consciousness. And as we were talking earlier, how everybody is connected. So when a mass population starts thinking a certain way that maybe there is no God, maybe there is no further future, maybe this is it, then that, that is affecting the whole consciousness. And if we are seeing the results of that take place today. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll, as mentioned, we'll get philosophical. So maybe we'll, we'll go down that road for a minute here. That's, that's an interesting thing. Cause I think you're so right. And, and this is in line with ancient wisdom as well. Well, right. Like the balance, the duality of things, but even that concept of God, you almost can think of it like the cliche, like the pendulum, right? Because for, for so many years or for so long, it was, God was the center of everything for most of, of, of society civilization in many parts of the world right and there was a strong drive towards and there was there was a shadow side to that there were certain aspects of being so committed to that and believing that you know so heavily in spirituality that sometimes it causes us to do bad things it causes us to cause harm to people in the name of that and it's almost like that's created a pushback to where people are like i don't want to be as close to that anymore i want to be away from that i want to think more individually which is logical, but that also brings its own shadow side. And it's like, damned if you do, damned if you don't a little bit. Do you see that? Do you see it in that way? Do you think there actually is one side of that? Like maybe we should all just more embrace God, maybe like we'd have done more historically. 
Right. I mean, yeah, I, I do believe people, more people should believe God and God could be whatever form you believe it in. There is no name like for the person or God that I pray to. There's no name to it. It's just God. It's just the one, the power all. And who knows what, what it is or who it is. So, but we need to have that higher value, higher purpose driven from something else. Like the, the, the will to do good, the primal will to do good, right? That comes from a higher purpose. But when we lose the connection to the higher purpose, then what happens? We go into the day-to-day -day life, the lust, the money, the sex, the power, mm -hmm. and we fall for those types of things. And th those are the conditions we're seeing in the world today. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, people need to find their spirituality, whatever they may be. And it doesn't need to be God. Some people believe in the universe, but there needs to be something you believe in. You can't just believe in the government or you can't just <laughs> believe in what you're being told by the media. Like we need to have a higher calling and higher purpose than that. And so that we're move away from these external factors of the day-to-day -day life. Yeah. Yeah. It, it brings me back to that point where we were before. And I've thought about this a lot. So what you're saying very much resonates with me. Like it sounds cynical to say, it sounds whatever, but I'll just say like you said a phrase where like without God, we don't really have a drive to do good. And, and I don't know if that's true or not, but there certainly seems to be evidence that that is true, that if we if we don't believe in anything greater, if we don't think there's anything more to it than this, then our natural base form is to just think about ourselves and just kind of be somewhat hedonistic and just seek pleasure. It's almost unnatural for us to think about doing good. There needs to be something that pushes us and forces us to do it because we're probably not going to get there on our own, at least most of us. And you need that concept of, of a God or a higher being to allow us to do it. And there's an aspect of that, which like, makes you feel bad about humanity a little bit like wow we're not good enough as we are but maybe that's true like is that kind of how you see it like we we are not on our own good enough to do that yeah i think uh we need a moral compass right and and then spirituality god heaven hell whatever you believe in right even even the muslims believe in their version of heaven um so all religions all spiritual beliefs have had a moral compass as far as we know it for the all of our humanity's length, we've had some sort of moral compass. Even before the advent of Christianity, even the Egyptians, they would have a moral compass, the sun god, right? Everybody had a moral compass. With a lack of a moral compass, what happens is it's very easy to confuse people. It's very easy to move people away. And that's where the rise of governments come in, where they take over the power. They become the version of God for people. And I think that's where the society as a whole starts to fall uh, place. Uh, without a moral compass because i mean think about it if, if majority of the population actually genuinely believed that there is no higher purpose there is no god there is nothing else beyond this life it's over that's going to lead to chaos because nobody's going to think about am i do doing good am i doing bad is this something i should be doing it should not be doing there's yeah. no moral compass so you're yeah, likely to do things us. that cause anarchy us to know what good is kind of we need to be guided we need that compass to tell us what it is which i can't say i disagree with that um given how it is all right, let me ask let me ask a, a a generalized intentionally like simplistic arguably ignorant question but i think it's a fair one to like spark a conversation around for those who maybe were just dropping into this conversation out of the blue they might be like oh this is a philosopher this is somebody that maybe lives in a cave with great wisdom you work in finance right and, and a lot of your work is in finance and trading and investments which a lot of people might hear that and be like wait <laughs> like that seems to be in the other direction from what we're talking about here and i say all right that's overly simplistic in a generalization but there is kind of that view of it. Reconcile that for, for me, for people of like, how does what we're talking about fit into how you're spending your days and the work that you do? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, trading for me has been the biggest personal development journey that I've embarked on, right? Like I've learned more about myself by being a trader than anything else because trading can bring the best out in you, but it can also bring the worst out in you, right? When you're risking, let's say, millions of dollars every single day and your fluctuations are a few hundred thousand every single morning, then you need to learn how to be emotionally con in control and it's stable. And also what is trading, right? Trading is just a combination amalgamation of everything that's happening in the world. This person's feeling a little bit fear. This person's feeling a little bit of greed. Everybody's acting in a certain way. And that's what's causing the market prices to go up or down. So the way I look at it spiritually is I need to be alignment with the whole consciousness of the market um, to be able to decide, hey, is this a fear moment? Is this a greed moment? And that's how I try to align myself spiritually with the overall consensus of the market. So I can make the next likely logical decision based on statistics of what the markets or what that stock might do based on its prior history of what the consciousness did previously. Mm. So I, I take a little bit of a holistic approach when it comes to my trading. Mm. I mean, that's a good answer. That's a better answer than I think many people, myself included, would expect in that. Let me press on it a little bit because that's kind of the nature of the show. At the end of the day, is it still true, though, that the ultimate objective for you is to maximize returns? Because that's where I think some people might question and say, like, 
what's really the moral compass there? What's really driving you? Is it that greater good and that greater sense? Or is it really, if it gets down to it, it's, you know, I got to maximize returns at the end of the day. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's no question about it, right? Like we're all trading as a way to make an income, to make a living, right. And to pay our bills. Now, the good that comes from it, in my opinion, is because I, I also run newsletters. I teach courses and programs. So when I get an email and I wake up this morning, Hey man, I was a plumber making 60,000 a year. I've been trading with you guys for three years now. Now I'm not like a millionaire or anything, but I make the same 60 K, but I do it from home now trading. Like to me, that's a good feeling. Like for me, that's my moral compass is because I'm not going to do this for all of my life. But if I can even change one person's life and have him do something, that's my higher purpose. And I've written it down, you know, it's like mm -hmm. I read my values every day. My purpose is to be the best version of myself and show others a path to do the same thing and mm -hmm. be financially secure. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of why I do what I do in terms of teaching people. Uh, but then also think about it. If I'm buying or selling a stock, and you're an investor who's not a trader, who's also buying or selling a stock. I'm creating liquidity for you to enter or exit a position to make your investment decision. If there's no traders like me, do you know what the spread would be if you had to get out of your investment, mm -hmm. right? Nobody would invest in the stock market. Now, what happens when nobody invests in the stock market? Companies don't get money. What happens mm -hmm. when companies don't get money? Companies don't grow. What happens when they don't grow? They don't employ people. What happens when they don't employ people? People don't have jobs. They don't have income to live on. So. Mm -hmm. It's a very, you know, I've thought this through yeah. of why I got into trading because it's really important to me. There's a lot of moving pieces that a small little trader pressing a button affects a bigger chain of reaction of things. What What is the backstory to it? And again, I, I mentioned in the pre-show, like I like to ask questions, not in any way to suggest or, or anything like that, but just I'm super curious and I like to understand like, what's the backstory of how you got into trading? Was it that you got into it and then started to realize these benefits and like, oh, this works out? Or did you like make a very intentional decision to say, everything you just said is true, therefore I'm going to go into this field? Yeah, no, originally it was purely, I needed something to do. I needed to make money. I was in college and replying for internships and jobs. So I went to college in London and there you had to do a year of work before you can finish graduation in my college. So that year, I couldn't find a job. I couldn't find an internships. I applied from the best companies all the way down to the lowest startups and just didn't get a call in anywhere. And I saw all my friends getting, you know, nice 80K, 100K mm -hmm. jobs. And I was just in my dorm room figuring out I need to do something. And being an introvert that I was, I was like, what can I find on the computer? Let's let's Google. Started, you know, searching a few other type of online things. I was like, not for me. Then I read a few books about trading and I was like, wow, like this seems, it's like a sport. And I could be good at it because I was never good at sport. I was like, this could be my sport. I could be good at it. I could perform in this. And I just just took it at heart and read one book after the other, just devoured. Because uh, again, I didn't get a job. So I was in my dorm room with a bunch of time uh, watching videos on this topic, watching movies. Uh, and then I started uh, really researching and really got good at explaining uh, stocks without even trading at that moment. And uh, I was writing articles for Yahoo Finance, Motley Fool while I was in my dorm room. That's how I made my first amount of money. They would pay me thousand bucks an article and I would just write 10 of them, you know? So that's how <laughs> I collected my initial money for my trading account. And that's- Were you enjoying it? Did, was there like a natural passion and love for it? Sorry? Were, were you, did you enjoy it at that point? Was it like a natural passion and love for it? Or was it more like opportunistic? Like I see there's a potential for something to be here. Yeah, I think it started with opportunity, opportunist. Uh, and then after that, I just got so curious about it. And I just wanted to learn more. I wanted to be the best at it. And uh, the curiosity just kept fueling. So as I did it more, I became more and more passionate. Mm. It's super interesting. And, and, and let me frame it this way. Like, I, I don't know the answer to this. I don't know that we'll ever know the answer to this. But like, there, there's a cynical view, which says like, all right, you didn't have a job. You needed to find something. You stumbled across this. You had maybe some like proclivity towards it or talent for it. There was obviously an opportunity to make money. So you got into it. And then you then we do what we do. We justify and say like, well, it's a good thing too. Like I'm actually helping the world, all the things you said before, which aren't untrue, but we start to justify in our own minds, right? There's like a cynical view of that, but there's another view that says like, maybe that's just the way the world works. Like we're all kind of stumbling through this thing, trying to figure it out. And we kind of try all these different paths. And as long as your moral compass and North Star is, I, I want to try and do something that I, that I feel like adds value, that makes me the best version of myself and brings value to others. And yeah, maybe we justify a little bit. Maybe we all have our different views of exactly how it works and people can be cynical if they want, but that's that's just what life is. That's what living a good life is. Do you think about that at all? Like, do you ever wonder, am I just justifying that this is more like morally good than it actually is just because I'm doing it? Like, I guess it's kind of that cognitive dissonance point. Do you ever think about that? And 
Yeah, you know, in, the begin- in the beginning, I did think about it. Um, but, you know, as I wrote in my book, the last chapter of the book is called Silver Lining, which is mm-hmm. everything happens for the reason. You might not know the reason right now, but you can only know the reason connecting the dots looking back. So ha- imagine had I got that job, you know, that I was looking for internships, that would have changed the whole trajectory of my life. And I might still be at that job trying to climb the corporate ladder, whereas one thing led to another and me not having the job, which I thought at that moment was disastrous because I was like, I just spent a lot of money for this degree coming to the university <laughs> and coming from an Indian family, there's a lot of money. So I was like, did I do all of that? I was questioning myself. Did I, I couldn't find a job? Is this all I'm made for? Mm-hmm. And then finally I went into trading. And then now looking back, that was the best thing that ever happened to me mm-hmm. is I didn't get that job. So now what I've learned is acceptance. Mm-hmm. And I try not to like when you, when people start thinking about, is this my purpose? Is this my thing? The way I look at it or the way I hear that question is like, you're questioning God, you're questioning the universe, right? God's given you a sign. Hey man, this job's not for you. Trading is for you. And I, and I succeeded at it. That shows that I had a gift, right? And now I'm going to question God. Is this really my purpose after God's given me everything? So that's a really interesting way to think about it. I think it's a really interesting way to think about it. When did it start to become, uh, go from, you know, writing the articles and trading just because you could have, you could have just done that, right? You could have just written some articles. You could have just used your knowledge to trade and make a bunch of money, when did it start to translate into, I want to help other people to do this as well? Yeah. So it started off when I was trading for a prop firm uh, in New York city. So I was trading for a proprietary firm. They had like a hundred plus traders in there and they had a program where you had to cross through levels, level one, level two, level seven, level 10 trader, and each level you had profit targets to meet. So when I got into the firm, uh, the typical at length that it took somebody to get from level one trader, which is where you're only trading $50,000 account, whereas level seven, where you're trading a $10 million account, mm. the typical time frame for people to get there was roughly four years to get to that $10 million account mark. And I was able to get there within the first year. And so when I got there within the first year, obviously the CEO of the firm called me, he's like, hey, you're doing pretty good. Do you want to be an intern as well? Like, so you can do your trading as you're doing with the firm. And now and again, just do like a training session to teach the new recruits on how you are able to progress faster. So that's where my teaching bug started, right? That's where I started speaking, coaching these new recruits that they had, trying to get them to cross the levels and how to create a trading system and you know, really diving into analytics. Like a lot of people talk about candlestick charts and just patterns, patterns, patterns. I was diving into the psychology of it and creating a spreadsheet, creating a system. Let's get our statistics in order. And that's where my teaching thing started. And then eventually that turned into a full-time role with the company. They said, hey, you should do these newsletters. You should do these courses. Started with them. And then in uh, 2015, they got bought out by another bigger company. And at that point, rather than joining the new company, I started my own. Just doing your own thing. Huh. It's interesting because there's there's a there's a um like a stigma of, of finance and trading that it's very competitive. Almost that like if you had a secret of how to make money by doing this, you keep that for yourself. You you don't share that. Um, and even you mentioned before, it's a bit of a sport, right? Which in, implies some competitiveness to it. It sounds like for you though, that part never really hits you of like, oh, I don't want to share this because I want to keep it for myself. It seems like is that that moral compass coming in again, saying like, no, no, no I should share this. No, I think I, I look at it as a team sport. <laughs> this team is the people sport. in my okay. community, in the chat room, in the newsletter, that's my community. Mm. And nothing makes me feel happier. And some people make more money than I do doing my own trades because <laughs> they're trading way bigger accounts than I am, right? So for me, there's no, no better better feeling than looking at an email saying, hey, man, you know, I've been watching these YouTube videos, all this stuff, three years, been struggling with trading. And then he sends me his account statement and I'm looking at it growing considerably and getting about the same returns as I am. So I'm like, great, it's a team sport. Because you know what, like I'm not trading with billions of dollars that I need to control the liquidity of that stock. You know, we're trading 10,000 shares in there uh, and there's millions of shares traded on a stock like Tesla. Everybody can get a piece. It's not a, I don't look at it with a scarcity mindset. It's like a abundance mindset. Hmm. That's cool. That's cool. So I'm sure you've run into this. Inevitably, there's people listening who are like, yeah, I'd love that. That would be awesome. I, I want to be that guy who sends you an email that says I'm making the same amount of money I was doing my job. But there's a skepticism. There's a view of like, it's almost like people think, I'm not saying it's the same, obviously, but people think of it the same as like gambling. The guy who says, I figured out gambling. Like I know the secret how to beat the casino and everybody's like, ah, there's no real secret. It's just, you know, whatever it is. What is the response to that? Like, I know you've touched on a little bit, the analytics, the psychology, but but make that a little bit more real for people without giving away the whole farm. But, you know, what is it why people shouldn't be skeptical, why they should understand that there actually is true value here? Yeah, no, I think people should be skeptical and it's very natural to be skeptical. I was super skeptical when I started, you know, and I went through a lot of courses and mentors and gurus before I eventually found the company that I started trading with. Um, So yes, it's okay to be skeptical. You should be, in fact, in this industry. 
Um, but the thing is to realize that there is a fine line between gambling and trading. It's a very fine line. And a lot of people are gambling thinking that they're trading, right? We see that with the Reddit thing that happened, the GMC, AME, all those stuff that happened in the past. That was pure speculation and gambling. So the difference between gambling and trading is a gambler will be like, oh, I think the stock is going to go. Why? I think so. Mm. Right? That's gambling. Uh, traders like, hey, this is this type of a pattern. We've tested it over the last 10 years. The batting average of this pattern is about 55%. The win-loss ratio comes about 1.89. The profit expectancy of this trade is this. This is where my entry is going to be. This is where my stop loss is going to be. And this is where my target is going to be when I'm right. And the management strategy that I'm going to use to get it to my target is going to be trailing it on these five-minute pivots. Mm. A very well-defined the strategy that has tested over the last 10 years in all market environments to give us a edge because we're trying to be the casino. That's professional trading. Professional trading is not thrilling. It's not exciting. If you're getting excited while you're trading, it's gambling. Professional trading is boring. Majority of my day is waiting mm. and watching. And then something hits my pattern and I'm like, boom. And I might only get two trades a day, one trade a day sometimes, sometimes zero. Mm. So that is a professional trader. I'm so glad you said it in that way because I was going to say, I, you know, why don't more people do it then? And I think you just, same reason people don't run or exercise or eat healthy. It's like, yeah, we know we could do it. We know it's possible and we should do it, but it's fucking hard sometimes. And like it's work and it's, and it kind of gets back to where we were before that human natural drive to like do the easier thing, not necessarily do the thing that helps somebody, not necessarily do the thing that helps yourself, but do that easier thing. And that, that makes a lot of sense. It's like, it's like anything else in life. If you want to be good at it, most of it's not, you know, you can even think of, um, you know, athletes or people that train, people see that hour that they're on TV playing in the game and think, but like Kobe Bryant's obviously maybe the, one of the more famous examples, like the thousands of shots he's taking in the gym, the hours he's spending on the same post-up move, just trying to perfect it. Like, yeah, if you want to do that, you could go do that too. Sure, there's some genetics involved, but you can go do that too. But do you really want to? And I think for a lot of people, maybe the answer is no, I don't really want to. <laughs> Yeah. And I think you need to actually like it, right? You need to be, that's why curiosity mm -hmm. comes in. Mm -hmm. You should only pursue a passion or a project or a business or career if you're curious about it. Mm -hmm. And curiosity means learning about it. Like I, like I'm a geek when it comes to trading. Like I love figuring out what caused that. Okay. This happened, this red candle happened here. When's the last time the same exact pattern happened over the last mm -hmm. 10 years. So th th those type of things, normal person who's just in it for the money is not going to do mm -hmm. right. Like I spend hours and hours on charts every night and I go back and take a look, oh, this happened in 1995 as well, 2005 as well. People aren't willing to put in that work. So, uh, but you can still make money in the markets. But if you're trying to go for a greatness, like Michael Jordan was in basketball, then you got to watch game footage. Every single day I trade is recorded and live streamed mm. every single day. So I put accountability on myself because I'm like, hey, there's thousands of people watching me trade every single day, win or lose. It's going to be in real time. So mm. if I make a mistake or if I do something out of the ordinary, guess what? Everybody's going to hold me accountable. Mm. So I created that for me because I know without the lack of accountability, I might have the tendency to do the same stupid stuff that everybody else does. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it illustrates how hard it is because as you said, like, I think you're right. I think that curiosity, passion, drive, whatever towards something is almost a necessary requirement. Maybe it is a necessary requirement because for you to do the painstaking work that you have to do in whatever field that is that you're trying to be great at, if you don't have a passion, if you're not curious about it, the odds of you being able to maintain that and sustain that level of effort is so small. But even with that, you still need something to make you accountable. You still need that video because it's hard. It's hard. And in a lot of ways, it goes back to your original value of integrity. It's hard to keep that integrity towards what you're working towards. So you almost have to build these systems and these things to help you drive towards it. Um, it's almost really a perfect storm of events that you have to put in place to be to become great at something, you know? Yeah, con creating consequences for self is really important because the human mind, and this is just the human mind, It's we're all the same. We all have an inherent pull towards having authority. Mm. right that's just that's why even if you put 100 humans on an island there will be one leader somehow it'll emerge a hierarchy will emerge so we humans are trained to follow a hierarchy right so even in a job you have a supervisor looking at your work you have a manager looking at your work if you do something that the manager tells you to do and you don't do it let's say there's a consequence you could be fired you could be docked you could there's a lot of things that could happen with trading you are the business owner you're the boss there's no supervisor looking at your trades there's no manager holding you accountable. You could do something really stupid, blow up your account and guess what? Close your laptop. Nobody will ever find out. No consequence. So to make a mistake without a lack of consequence, it'll lead you to do it over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So that's why having a trading community or that's why I was blessed to be at the prop firm because that was forced accountability. Meaning in mm -hmm. their platform, 
if you lost an X dollar amount, it would shut off. Like you can't even take a trade anymore, even if you wanted to until the next day. If you mm -hmm. hit your loss limit for the week, you're done. Even if it's on a Tuesday, come back next week. Mm -hmm. There's forced accountability. So I was trained in that, but a lot of people are not. They're coming into the stock market, opening a Robinhood account and reading a Reddit forum yep. and thinking they're a trader and changing their Instagram bio to the trader. That's not <laughs> what a trader is. Yeah. Well, for people that you you do work with, that you do help, like what what is the value prop for them? Is it so? Let's say they say like I'm not curious and passionate about trading. I I don't want to go through the grind of it. Is it is is the value prop you put forth like cool? Don't worry about it. I'm going to do that for you. I'm going to help you kind of work through that process. Like I'm sure it's still some work for them, but it's less work. Or is it that you're trying to teach them to become you, like to grind in the way that you are and put in that level of effort? Yeah, so we typically live uh, live traders. We get two types of people, right? One person is like, "Hey, I want to build this as a career. I want to actually genuinely learn." And those people, yeah, we work with them closely. I teach them everything that I know, and then also more so accountability. Like, "Hey, you got to send me your spreadsheet every single day. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't send it, you're fired as a client. I don't want you because mm -hmm. you're not going to make it. Why would I waste my time teaching you?" Mm -hmm. So there's one type of client that really wants to learn, and then I'm going to go further out, no matter how many hours it takes to make sure you actually get it, but then more so you stay on the course of executing that trading plan. Uh, then the other type of client is like, I already have a job. I, I don't, I can't sit in front of my computer. I don't want to do it all day long. So those, for those type of people, I usually have a newsletter that I send out every weekend. This is my market analysis. These are the stocks that I'm going to look to buy on Monday. Here's my entry. Here's my stop loss. Here's my target. Basically, here's what I'm doing in my own account. Mm. You make your own decisions. I'm not asking anybody to follow me. You make your own decisions. And some people use it as a learning tool to see what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. Some people use it just to say, okay, I'm just going to follow along. Mm -hmm. And that's your prerogative. Uh, but my suggestion would be to try to learn it before you just try to follow anybody because uh, you're not even going to be able to follow it if your own psychology gets in the way. Yeah. If I'm holding a trade and you're feeling jittery, then guess what? You're going to get out of it and then you're going to get a different result than what the person who you're following is getting. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. That's cool. What is the psychology piece of it? I know you've touched on it a couple of times, but like, how have you found that psychology? I mean, there's some obvious ways I can assume how psychology fits into it, but what's the like biggest thing you've learned about how psychology plays into this? Yeah, big, biggest thing is coming back to integrity, you know, doing what you said you're going to do and then doing it when you said you're going to do it. So that would mean, hey, this is my trading plan. I'm going to hold my trades till they go two to one. Then don't question yourself. You know, it's at 1.8 to one. You're like, should I just sell it here? I mean, it could go to two to one, but it looks like it's extended. Now you're getting into that whole phase of doubting yourself. Mm. Integrity means, hey, I'm holding it at two to one. That's it. Either it will stop me out, I'll take a loss, or it's going to my target. I'm not messing with the trade because the odds will get messed up if I mess with the trade. Because mm. we've tested a system based on a certain number of odds. So if you mess and tweak the odds a little bit, you change the system, mm. which has not been tested. So the, that's the biggest mistake is getting yourself confident enough to be able to just follow it like a, and that's why best traders are ex pilots and ex poker players, because pilots that I've found majority of my clients, ex pilots have all successful traders because why they know how to follow a checklist. Okay. Here's the entry check, stop loss check. Okay. Here, I'm going to hold it to my target. Great. Now let's just wait till it hits my target. Nothing else to do. And they will sit there and wait. Whereas a normal human being, maybe who had another type of a job or maybe he was a successful business owner. So then you come with an ego, right? Mm -hmm. That I could maybe, I think it's going to pull back. Maybe I could get out right here and avoid a loss. And then it comes down a little bit. They feel, yes, I exited it. That was great. And then it goes, it hits their target. Mm -hmm. Now they're like, oh my God, I should have held it. Like, just, do you see how it's, you're messing yeah. your own psychology up yeah. by saying, I should have held it. I should have gotten out. I should have, would have, could have. That creates low self-esteem, low self-confidence and, you know, lack a high self-doubt. Whereas if you don't question yourself and you be a person of integrity, your psychology will always be in an emotional state of calm. It's cool too, because I think it's in many ways, it's a microcosm of life for so many people of that psychological issues and second guessing and doubting and staying true and having the confidence to stick with what you believe and all that. But what's cool about trading is um, it brings like a mathematical perspective to it, like a quantitative where you can actually measure and track. And you could see that it actually is working over time, where in so many other aspects of life, it's more of a leap of faith. Like if I stay true to who I am, if I stay true to this thing, it's not as clear. It's fuzzier to tell. Like, was that better for me? Was that worse for me? You could talk yourself into different things, but in this, it's a lot more quantified, right? It's a lot more mathematical. So it's harder to lie to yourself. It's, it's easier to see the benefit that you're getting from it, right? Yeah. And I, and I tell my students all the time, like, hey, anybody can lie to you. I could lie to you. One thing that's never going to lie to you is your numbers, your spreadsheet. Numbers never lie. So let's say, hey, 
Forget about like some people come to me, they're, they're, they're trying to sugarcoat it. You know, I've been pretty consistent recently and I've been, you know, making good money with trading. I'm like, okay, let me see your spreadsheet. Oh, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I'll send it to you next week. I'm like, why? Like numbers don't lie. Let's just take a look how you're actually doing. Let's stop sugarcoating it. And because, you know, we have a selection bias. We forget yeah. all the bad trades we did. We remember the one good one we did, right? Oh my God, I did. I nailed that Tesla trade. <laughs> right? What about the last four that didn't work out? We Selective bias. We forget about it. That's yeah. why we needed a spreadsheet to say, hey, these are the last 100 trades. Yeah. I think that's really important without the absence of numbers. Like, which, do you, which business do you know that sells products and doesn't collect receipts? Right? right? Like, yeah. the, the biggest, uh, why is Facebook or all these companies so valuable? Data. Like that's what we need as traders too. data about our own trades. Yeah. So data is the most valuable thing in trading. Yeah. I'll flip it to the abstract and philosophical as we come towards the end here or, or start to get towards it. But um, because I, I take that philosophy in life, I, I think we all would be better off in life with more data, more inputs. And it's, it's tough, right? Because some people hear that and they think, well, you could become overwhelmed with data. You could become, you could overthink things. You could second guess. And that's true. Obviously it's not just more inputs. That's not the whole story. You need to have a framework for assessing, for evaluating, for determining what matters to you, all that stuff. But I think trying to get to a more objective, honest view, more clarity on what the situation actually is, whether that be of your life or of your trades, whatever. And one of the ways in which you do that is bringing in as many inputs as you can, trying to get as, all the puzzle pieces out there so that you can piece together what it is so that it's harder to lie to yourself so that you can start to connect dots that are there. So I, I do, I think there's a lot that ties back to like the broader life, the broader philosophy for life in it, um, which which obviously respond to that if you want to, but, but a question I'll ask about that coming back to the abstract, as you think about your life, right? So now like we've heard kind of the value system in the beginning, we've heard literally how you're living it out. What does it look like for you? Like, as you think hopefully 50, 60, however many years down the road, for you to feel like, yeah, this was success. I, I lived the life of integrity that I wanted to live. Like, what's that? Paint that picture first. What's that start to look like? Um, so like for right now, the biggest thing that I'm focusing on right now in my life is my health, right? Because for the longest time, I was running around, traveling the world, chasing the business dream, chasing the money dream, and it, it kind of ruined my health. So to me, I, I felt um, a lack of integrity with myself in that realm of my life. But that's been my biggest focus right now, saying, okay, you got to be in integrity because health, wealth, love, and happiness, it's all its all the whole thing, right? Body, mind, and soul. That's why they say even in ancient traditions, body, mind, and soul. So without the right body, I could have the mind and the soul, but if a body is not cooperating with me, what good is that long-term? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of why my focus recently has been on body, mind, and soul. Mm -hmm. So now that I've got the mind and the soul part correct, now it's time to focus on the body, which is the temple that we mm -hmm. live in. Uh, so that's my personal focus. So what it would look like is me being integrity with my health, eating cleaner, uh, working out more, uh, and keep scaling my trading, always be learning. Like every year, my goal is to reach new heights with my trading and my investments and my accounts to be grown. Um, so that's kind of the goal and helping a lot more people achieve the same dream, whatever that might mean for them. And trust me, a lot of people that I come to trading with me, they, they don't have goals of making millions of dollars right now. They're just like, hey, let me just replace what I have, but let me do it from home so I can spend time with my kids. Yeah. So more people serving like that, that would be that I'm in alignment with integrity and I'm living my best life. And I can look back at myself in the mirror, let's say 20 years from now and say, you know what? I kind of give it my all. I did give it my all and I should feel good about it. So that's what I'm trying to get at right now. Yeah, that's good, man. That's cool. I mean, that is really good. So much so that like, and, and you alluded to it already with the health piece of it. Like, do you, do you worry at all that those things may come into conflict that the mind, body, soul in that way, or even just like, as you're trying to grow, your trades and, and your knowledge versus as you're trying to help other people do it versus as you're trying to take care of yourself and your own health. Do you worry that those things could come at odds? And if so, like, how do you, how do you think about handling that? Yeah, I, I think uh, the key is not to try to create balance, right? People try to balance a lot of these things. Uh, you, you can't balance it and try to control it. You can't control anything in this universe. We're way too small. So the thing is to create harmony between all those areas. So dedicate time to each area. So it doesn't take a whole lot of time, if I'm being honest with myself, to dedicate an hour to go work out, right? Uh, and and since I've made that money dream, let's say, I could I don't need to eat out all the time, even though I could afford it, I could eat cleaner. So like from next week, actually, believe it or not, I took action on it. I hired a, a chef, so he's going to come in every week, make me my meals, prep it for me, put it in portion containers, come in every Monday, make meals for me at home. Mm -hmm. So And I can see what he's making because he'll be here. So I think that is a way that I could use the money that we I created to sort out my other areas of my life. 
Maybe I hired a trainer. Maybe I do this. Maybe I join this workout class. Maybe I join this studio. So those are ways that I could use what I've created so far, which is the monetary success, but now start spending it towards my health. And that also goes back to your first question or the second question in the interview about the higher purpose of trading, right? That is a higher purpose. You can make a lot of money with trading. Now, what you do with the money is up to you, right? Like I, I, I don't like to talk about it, but I have causes that I support. And uh, that's a way that trading supported me to do that. Mm-hmm. I like the phrase you use that it's not about balance. It's about harmony. I don't, I don't know if I've heard that before. I know you kind of illustrated a little bit there, but say say a little bit more about that because I think that's an interesting way to think about it, um, the difference between balance and harmony. Yeah, because when we're trying to create balance, right, we're, we're already telling ourselves it's imbalanced. Like that's not an empowering belief to come from. Oh, things are not balanced in my life. I need to balance. I need to balance. That's a struggle. That sounds like a struggle in our internally in my mind. But now harmony, that doesn't sound so bad. We're trying to harmonize all those areas, which means, yes, each area is important, right? You cannot balance it because sometimes... You got to give more time to your family. Sometimes you got to give more time to your work. It needs it. Your work requires it. So you can never have balance. Sometimes this is more, sometimes that is more, but you just harmonize as long as you are giving certain time to each of those areas. That's true harmony. Yeah. It's almost like a higher level of balance, right? Because on, in the, on the lower level, harmony has more flex to it. It has more ability for you to be fluid and, and adjust and move and evolve as you need to. But as you look at it at the grand scheme, at the highest level, it, it is it is balanced across those things over time, right? It's flexing over time, allowing to do that versus that more fixed sense of like, I need to be balanced in all ways right now. In every moment, I need to be balanced. And I think you're right. that Even as I say that, I feel like the tenseness of that mm-hmm. concept as I say it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. I mean, and, and that's, I think, what the whole life struggle for everybody in the beginning is just to try to create balance. But once you just give up the concept of trying to balance it, and you're just like, all right, so today... I need to focus on my health. I need to work out. That's mm-hmm. it. So that's going to get a little bit more time. Maybe you have kids or you have a wife, you know, it's her birthday. Now you have, you have a workout to do, but you're like, but it's her birthday. I got to take my kids to whatever. You got to give time to that. So just mm-hmm. give time without feeling guilty that you're not in balance. I've, 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 you know, I don't, again, I don't know if I've articulated in my own head the way that you're explaining it. So that's why I love having these conversations, but I found that for myself lately, like there's been times where maybe I've had work I needed to do, but at the same time, I knew it was time to take my kid to his, you know, whatever it might be, like his, his music class or whatever it is. And there was a time in my life where there would have been a tension and a frustration about that, where it have been like, well, I need to get this done and now I need to do this. And it's just, whereas now, like, it's not necessarily that I'm happy about it. I wish I can get that work done, but there's an acceptance of like, all right, there's not in this moment, I have to go do that. So it just is what it is. I got to go do it and I'll do it. And I'll come back to this later. Otherwise, I'm just going to be miserable throughout the whole experience. And, you know, that's a small little example of it, but that feels real to me, as you say, like trying to make those realizations, come to those understandings. And I can see how when the stakes are high in the form of trading (laughs) in those same mindset moments where you're dealing with stuff to be able to be level-headed and have that clarity is probably, it's probably a huge edge. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, half of the battle is we beat ourselves up for, for being guilty. Oh, oh, I didn't work hard enough. I had to be with my family. But if when we start thinking like that, we're building resentment towards our own people. That's right. right? That's right. Our own people. We're like, all right, I give time to them. Like that doesn't, to me, it's like, hey, what are we putting out in the universe, right? It's when is the next time in the future your kid's going to be five and you got to take him to school? Never. Mm -hmm. This is the only time, Mm -hmm. right? You're never going to be able to do it again. So might as well, you know, spend time on it and just realize, hey, today this, I'm called to do this a lot more today than I'm called to do that. But it's always going to be there. Yep. So realizing yep. that not having the scarcity mindset. Well said. Well said, man. All right. Last question. Um, so we're talking integrity. We're talking about approach to life and all that stuff. You mentioned spirituality a little bit before. Let me ask you kind of that big question. Like in, in some ways, integrity is, is a means to an end, right? It's a means to achieving a good life, I guess we call it. And, and I know we just touched on a good life for you on the more individual level of what that looks like. But as you think about it in the philosophical or the universal sense, like, do you think there is like... Um, an objective answer to like what a good life is for people. I guess I'm asking the meaning of life question to some extent, like for you, is it rooted in spirituality and God? Like, is that what allows you to feel like that's why I know this is the right path or how do you, how do you think about that? Yeah, I think, I think the right path is when you take time with yourself and the first thing that comes up in your mind, that's the right path. Cause a lot of times we try to intellectualize what is the right path, right? We think about it. We spend time thinking about it. Now that's thinking, right? I I like to feel like what it might feel to me. So rather than thinking and using the logical brain, letting the answer come to you. And the first thing that comes is usually the right thing. 
So it's more of a feeling than it is uh, what I think about it. And it's going to be different for everybody, right? Um, for some people, uh, it's going to be, hey, having a family life, having kids. For some people, it's not nothing about that. They wanted to go travel the world and live and do their thing. So they're going to be happy with each of the things. But the foundational elements that research obviously has proven is that, A, we need a community. Mm-hmm. Could be friends, could be family, whatever it is. You need a community, right? You need you need to have your um, mindset in a positive oriented direction. Mm-hmm. An optimistic mindset usually will lead to that. Having that approach that hey, everything works out for you. It's a, the silver lining, right? Everything will work out. Like having that belief is half the battle. Uh, and some people call that faith, and that's fine. You call yeah. it faith, God, universe, whatever you want. But I think you need to have some sort of a guiding north star that you are either working towards or something that's guiding your life decisions. Mm. Uh, Because as I said, without the moral compass, how do you know if it's the right decision? How do you know if it's the wrong decision? If there's no right or wrong? Yeah, you're just guessing. All right, sorry, one last question. The the idea of that feeling, right? That like you can feel that something is is right for you, the thing that you feel in that. um, Where do you think those feelings come from? Like, do you think that is something, like if if you went really deep into it, like tried to get to a first principle, is it genetic? Is it random? Is it God-given in some way? Like, did the universe have some intentionality to it that said, all right, I'm going to give you this feeling and me a different feeling? Like, how do you make sense of those feelings? Yeah, so, I mean, um, so I, I learned this from one of my mentors. That, uh, there's HeartMath Institute, right? So HeartMath Institute, they do research and that there is a heart brain, right? Now, it's usually around your gut, uh, which also guides your decisions. And uh, so that is kind of what I f- call the feeling brain, right? That's where you feel things. And, you know, like, oftentimes maybe you see somebody talk or somebody saying something and you feel that they're not they're not congruent or maybe they're not, you know, the right type of people you want to work with. That's what, that's a feeling. That's not you thinking it. You didn't think if he's the right person or not, you just got that feeling. So that is the, the gut brain and the heart brain is kind of like your feeling brain and the thinking brain is over here. Mm. So anytime you find yourself thinking and you're looking up like that, you're using your brain, mm. right? When you're kind of like looking down or maybe you're, you know, just closing your eyes, thinking you're, usually that's the feeling brain. So that's how I determine where, what am I thinking from? And they both have their place, right? Logical decision-making, you need this, right? When mm-hmm. it comes to making decisions based on, you know, feeling or gut, then you got to look at this area. Is that biological though, you think ultimately at its root? Or is it, is that feeling coming from something greater in your mind? Uh, I, I think mix of both. It is coming from something greater. It's the universal consciousness of the, the universe, right? Now, the biological mechanism of how it delivers that message to you is, is that gut brain. Uh, but I think it's still, there's a there's a consciousness. A lot of times we can never pinpoint, why, do, why does everybody want to feel good? Why don't everybody go and murder somebody? It doesn't feel good. <laughs> it's, it's, it's coming from somewhere. Everybody feels it. Right. Mm-hmm. So like those things, that's a feeling that is coming from somewhere. We're not thinking about it. It's just, it's just there. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I'll say this in closing. And I'll give you the last word. I think on that point, and I think it's representative of this conversation a little bit. One of the things I've been most encouraged about, I've done almost 200 of these now is um, one of the things is this blending of like spirituality and, and science and logic, like that explanation you just gave, I think is representative this idea that like, it's entirely possible that there is some universal force or energy force or God or whatever you want to call it. And the mechanisms in which they use to express themselves is our biology, is our mind, even at sometimes ideas that just pop into our head. Like it's possible that both of those things work together. And it's logically seems very likely that they probably do work together. And for me, it's super encouraging to see so many more people talking in that way, accepting those things where it used to be you were either in one camp or the other. I think that's like an encouraging thing for society that people are getting more to that place. Yeah, totally. And I think the more people get into that, the more they start looking inward and connecting with ourselves, you will realize that there is something bigger than us out there. I mean, it's it'll be foolish to think that we're the only ones around here, right? So I think uh, the more you build that trust, you would notice that your own mindset shifts and your life shifts because you're now living in alignment with the laws of the universe. Mm-hmm. And when you feel that you're in alignment, it's, it's just a, such a good feeling, you know? Like, I didn't feel that like a couple, three, four years ago. I was kind of doing my thing, traveling, partying. And I didn't feel that at all. And when I took time with myself, and I would just feel in alignment and I just feel like everything is happening for me. And even if something doesn't work out, I'm like, oh, that's fine, silver lining. I can look back at so many reference points that I've had in my career that things didn't work out and that was the best thing that ever happened. Mm-hmm. So that is you know, universal uh, intelligence using you to, you know, I guess, uh, further its own 
believe that it has for you. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. Well, I think this is a super cool conversation to express a lot of that. I mean, this is what I love about these conversations. I know we talked in the pre-show and you're like, what exactly, you know, what's most valuable with this is it. Like this is representative to me because we we talk philosophically about values. We talk specifically for you and, and your world of trading of how it plays and then kind of pivoting between those two. That's that's an illustration of it. And I think it's always super cool too, because I think there are people that are interested, right? And, and the links or everything will be in the show notes of learning more about it. It's super cool and valuable to learn about you beyond just the work that you do, how you think, how you function, you know, how you think about the universe. I think that's valuable for people to hear if they're going to, you know, want to work with you and kind of use your services. So I appreciate you a ton for being on, for the work that you're doing. And just the perspective, super interesting, thoughtful perspective. Yeah. No, thanks. Thanks for having me. It was great chatting with you. And yeah, I enjoyed the conversation as well. You're, you're yeah. a great interviewer. So you prompted those questions out of me that <laughs> normally I've never been asked before. Uh, so. It's cool. That's a great compliment, but it takes two to make it work. So I, feelings mutual, yeah. but I appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. You have an awesome day. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks a ton for listening to the episode. Um, I really do appreciate everybody that listens. And I think it's super cool that people want to hear conversations like this. They want to hear us talk about values and different perspectives and really just philosophical thinking. Um, I'm kind of on this mission or journey to bring philosophy back to the forefront, maybe even make philosophy cool again. Because I just think there's so much value in thinking about our thinking, questioning and challenging ourselves more, pondering these big picture questions about life. Um, so in that spirit, I'm trying to expand that mission a little bit. And I created a Patreon account um, that would be awesome if you check out. I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, it's pretty simple, though. It's patreon.com slash what's the value. And the idea is for people that maybe want to learn more about philosophy, dip their toe in it a little bit, or maybe you already love it and just want to get more of it, um, check it out. Because there's kind of a tier for everybody, whether you just want to get like a quick philosophical video or a thought of the day. Um, maybe you want to email or text me some questions and get some thoughtful philosophical responses. Or if you want to have a live one-on-one -on -one chat over Zoom, um, we're even doing group discussions where we kind of do group philosophical debates and discussions and ponder some of those big questions. So check it out, see if it's something you might be interested in. Uh, as I said, I just love to bring more philosophy into our lives, and I thought this might be a cool way to do it. Um, whether that's your thing or not, and you're into Patreon or not, I really do appreciate a ton that you listen and check out these episodes. So I appreciate it greatly, and I hope you have an awesome day.